Hi, welcome to Bookie. To unlock more world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Today we will unlock the book High Output Management. Nowadays, many managers may take an MBA course in various business schools to further improve their knowledge and enhance their management skill. However, many of these managers found that their actual problems remain challenging for them to solve, even after taking these courses. Why? The reason is that most MBA courses are designed for top managers, such as CEOs. The main contents of these courses consist of subjects in, for example, global perspectives, long-term planning, and entrepreneurship. Generally, middle managers are department heads or vice presidents. As the backbone of an enterprise, not only are they expected to do well in their jobs, they must also provide helpful and useful guidance for others. It's their mission to maximize their job performance. They are determined to bring out the best in the subordinates through improving their work efficiency. These include methods on how to conduct and convene meetings and carrying out performance assessments. These trivial but significant questions are properly answered in this manual high output management. Many of you may not be familiar with Andy Grove, but you must have heard about Intel. In the IT industry, Grove and Gates are rated as Andy Gates effects, meaning that Gates would equip good software for any hardware developed by Grove. As the CEO of Intel, Mr. Grove not only had the final say on chips manufacturing technology, but also had several semiconductor technology patents. In addition, he was a management master, good at observing people's minds. Mr. Andy Grove served as the president of Intel in 1979 and became its CEO afterwards. In 1997, he was awarded the Person of the Year by the U.S.-based weekly magazine Time, as well as Manager of the Year by the USA Academy of Management. In 2001, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award granted by the Strategic Management Society. In 2004, he was nominated as the most influential CEO of 25 years by the Wharton School. As a technician in the past, Mr. Grove used output, a concept in manufacturing as the core of managers, and creatively proposed a high-leverage approach to enhance managers' efficiency. High Output Management Written by Mr. Grove summarizes his managerial experience over decades. It analyzes the ways a manager can improve their capacity for the optimal input-output ratio. In this bookie, we will introduce his methods in three parts. Part 1, Find the Leverage to Achieve High Output Part 2, Achieving High Output Through One-on-One -on -one Meetings Part 3, Tackling Performance Appraisal Before starting Part 1, I'd like to ask you a question. What is output? For a teacher, her output includes the outstanding performance of his students and the enrollment rate of graduates. For a surgeon, his output is a successful surgery and the recovery of patients. Different industries and professions will have varied answers. What's the output for Intel as a high-tech manufacturer of chips? You may say Intel's output is latest chips because it manufactures chips. You're right, but the answer is only partly correct. According to Mr. Grove, CEO of Intel, the company specializes in manufacturing microprocessors, but it is composed of production, 
finance and sales departments. They deal with the R&D of semiconductor chips, collecting payments, and marketing. The employees from these departments deliver various outputs in their respective positions as well. All the outputs from these departments shape the giant of semiconductor chips Intel is. The company will be subject to tremendous repercussions if any step is absent. You may think that frontline employees are the most important group affecting the output of both manufacturing and marketing, while idle managers do nothing. On the contrary, Mr. Grove thinks that managers are crucial, and they do everything to boost the output capacity of the whole team, based on the output maximization principle. For a manager, his output is the total output of the organization under his supervision or influence. Each management activity performed by said manager can affect the whole organization, while the impact depends on the manager's leverage in the activity. The leverage here is not the lever Archimedes assumed to move the earth. According to Mr. Grove, managerial leverage is the output of a manager per unit of time worked. Thus if a management activity has a relatively high leverage ratio, it means that with the same input, this activity will have a higher output than a low leverage activity. Suppose you work in a gym. In the beginning, when you were a coach, your output was to earn class fees every day. And after you become the gym owner, you manage the other fitness coaches to achieve the output of gym profitability. You have to improve the services and skills of these coaches if you want to make more money. If relevant costs remain unchanged, a coach teaching one class per day can grow to teaching two classes per day after receiving training. This means that both his and your outputs increase, resulting in an increase in your managerial leverage as well. In business management, how should a manager improve his managerial leverage to bring more outputs? According to the author, each manager must actively find out the step that determines the overall leverage of their operation, namely the limiting step. So what is a limiting step? Let's look at an example. On a busy morning, if you can make yourself a cup of coffee and two slices of toast, you will feel full of energy all day long. But if you clean up your room, dress up, and make coffee, you will be late for work. Actually you can enjoy breakfast and needn't worry about being late for work at all. The critical point in the flow is making coffee. The 10 minutes for making coffee is the limiting step for doing other things. If you make coffee first, and then clean up the room and dress up instead of the other way around, you can make coffee and clean up the room within 10 minutes easily. The key idea of the so-called limiting step is that we construct our production flow by starting with the longest, hardest, sensitive or expensive steps first, and then work our way back. With a foundation based on the limiting step and other detailed flows, we can know which steps are necessary, and which ones can be eliminated. In this way, we can easily simplify the process, and improve the managerial leverage at the same time. Aside from finding out the limiting step, can we use other methods to achieve high leverage and maximize our outputs? The author provided several reference methods. One way is that a manager can use her skills and knowledge to increase her team's leverage by sharing unique, key knowledge or information, including expertise, know-how or opinions on trends and market conditions. Middle managers are highly leveraged every time they pass on knowledge, skills, or values to their subordinates. Especially when these subordinates pass on what they have learned to others, 
the leverage is further increased. The other way is to have impacts on other people by using simple managerial skills. For example, the performance appraisal made by a manager for his subordinates may have tremendous impacts on their behavior. Moreover, leverage can also be negative if the manager fails to do some trivial matters well. If a manager fails to deal with negative feelings, decision-making, and interferes with the work of subordinates excessively, the latter will be adversely affected, and the whole organization will have less output. That's all for Part 1. The managerial activity performed by a manager is the lever driving the output of the entire enterprise. The managerial leverage can be increased by finding out the limiting step, training the teams, and ensuring positive impacts on the subordinates using simple managerial skills. We mentioned earlier that, a manager's output is the total output of the organization under his supervision or influence. How does a manager ensure that his team have sustained creativity and capacity? In the book, Mr. Grove gave his advice about meetings, an activity disliked by many employees. Quite a few companies hold meetings on Mondays or Fridays to summarize their work. During these meetings, many employees would be sending or receiving emails or doing other things, while someone is talking about some issues. These employees think that they make it more customers or propel the progress of their projects if unnecessary meetings like this can be avoided. According to Peter Drucker, father of modern management, it's a waste of time if one manager spends 25% of his time on meetings. Mr. Grove holds a different opinion on this. He thinks that meetings are necessary, but the ways for meetings need to be adjusted. There are various types of meetings. Grove introduced a meeting that can dramatically improve managerial efficiency in the book, the one-on-one -on -one meetings. The one-on-one -on -one meetings are both process and employee-oriented. First of all, let's find out why one-on-one -on -one meetings are process-oriented meetings. Take a large advertising agency as an example. Such an agency needs hundreds or thousands of orders to maintain its regular operation. For new employees who have just taken on a new project, the lack of experience may cause the finished product to fail to meet the customer's requirements, causing the company to lose an important client. To avoid such situations, the manager needs to hold one-on-one -on -one meetings on the new project with the relevant employees. The manager can use his own experience to help his subordinates analyze customers' needs and provide his ideas for reference. In the early stage, he may help the subordinates control the main design direction, so that the subordinates can take less detours and speed up the design progress, the final product can be closer to the needs of customers. Now let's figure out why they are employee-oriented. The meetings that we usually know are directed by managers, while the subordinates are the participants. One-on-one -on -one meetings in contrast are directed by subordinates. A manager may lead a team that is composed of several or more than 10 employees. If the manager directs the meetings, he must repeat the same contents more than 10 times, which lowers the managerial efficiency dramatically. If each subordinate direct and prepare these meetings by themselves, then the manager will be getting more time to improve efficiency. When a subordinate prepares a one-on-one -on -one meeting, a meeting outline can be prepared in advance. The advantage of this is that, when preparing the outline, the employee can think about the topics and relevant questions to discuss with her manager. The outline is then sent to the manager prior to the meeting, 
so that when it's meeting time, they can talk about related issues directly, which saves time of both parties. In addition, the manager can directly cut into the key issues and focus on the solutions. We have now seen how one-on-one -on -one meetings are helpful for subordinates. So are they also helpful for managers? Let's find out how they help managers improve their job skills. Mr. Grove says in the book that managers can use their one-on-one -on -one meetings to learn new knowledge and master the latest market trends from their subordinates. In a war, the first group of people who know the result are neither the commander, general, the major, nor second lieutenant, but rather the soldiers charging forward in the battlefields. The frontline employees of an enterprise are those brave soldiers, while the manager is the commander who commands from behind. Any outstanding enterprise should break the wall between the manager and his subordinates, because these subordinates can easily observe tiny market changes while the manager cannot. For example, an employee of P&G goes to a Walmart outlet for inspecting the sales of their products. He observes the location of P&G products and that of the competitors on one shelf as well as consumers' preferences. The employee finds out that consumers are more easily attracted to the same color block on a horizontal display, instead of P&G's existing small to large on vertical display. After that, he provides a report of his findings to his manager, which prompts the manager to adjust the display accordingly. Such adjustments can be made only after the manager gets the feedback from his subordinate, and this helps the manager change his strategy for profit maximization. Mr. Grove used to benefit from one-on-one -on -one meetings as well. In the 1980s, Intel witnessed continuous decrease in business volumes, as a result of emerging computer memory companies from Japan. He resolutely suspended producing memories and shifted to the production of microprocessors. However, he knew little about memory devices, so he held one-on-one -on -one meetings with the engineering manager and the manufacturing director. The two subordinates relayed the latest knowledge they knew to Mr. Grove respectively, and answered his questions. He quickly learned useful expertise within a short period of time. After benefiting from one-on-one -on -one meetings, Mr. Grove strongly advocated such meetings in the company. That's all for part two. Let's review it. The process-oriented one-on-one meetings can help subordinates prepare for difficulties at the early stage of a project. This meeting should be employee-oriented, meaning the employee should proactively tell the manager what he lacks or needs, so that the manager knows how to better help the employee increase his output. The manager on the other hand, can learn new information from her employees through one-on-one -on -one meetings, so that she can better cope with future market changes, maximize profits for the company, and achieve efficient output. Today we are just sharing limited bookie. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller, please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. You will get 7 days free trail with more features. Dir hat dieser Podcast gefallen? Dann klicke jetzt auf Abonnieren und empfehle ihn weiter. Bleib immer auf dem Laufenden und folge uns bei Twitter, Instagram und Facebook. Mehr Podcasts findest du auf meinpodcast.de.